Hey everybody, I'm Garrett. And I'm Melissa. We've been married for eight years and have two kids, Caleb and Sadie. Over the last few years, we have fallen in love with the scriptures and are learning how digging into God's word has helped us grow deeper with each other and those around us. We want to be real about our lives, our struggles, and our joys. This is Growing Deeper. Hey guys, before we get to the podcast, just want to remind you to rate and review the podcast. That'll make sure that if somebody looks up Exodus or Ruth, uh, that they will be able to pull up our podcast and, and see what we have to say on different sections of the Bible. Also, if you have any questions or comments or things that you want to share with us, uh, you can email us now. We now have an email address of growingdeeperpodcast at gmail.com. That's growingdeeperpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you, even just uh, saying, hey, we're listening and really appreciate it or something like that. I don't know. Uh, shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Now on to the podcast. Welcome back, everyone. We are finally going to get this Chapter 7 podcast out. We have delayed it a little bit, um, mainly because uh, we were actually watching live sports the other yeah. night. Uh, <laughs> so we were at, we were enjoying some real live uh, sports, if you consider golf a sport, which is very controversial. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, lo- I love golf. Uh, so finally got getting to watch a, a major um, is fun. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, it's been a long time since we've been able to watch anything like that. Yeah, so, so that was kind of nice to get to to sit sit back and just watch that together. And it was on kind of late, so we were just like, eh, we'll just wait for the podcast. And then the next day was like... We ended up spending the whole day together without kids. We didn't have to have kids with us all day. And it was amazing, yeah. but we kind of wore ourselves out just, like, going out. And we we ran and where we were at the park and stuff, too. And so we were just kind of worn out by the end of the day. Yeah, and, and so, like, when we, we went and exercised all morning, basically. And then the afternoon, I was getting... We, went, we had to go shopping for me for clothes, uh, for some stuff that I'm doing later. And that I have to be dressed up for and yeah. <laughs> and so that's just shopping by itself is an exhausting experience yeah and so not only that we had exercised that morning uh considerably yeah. so but we did eat out twice yesterday we did we which ate was out twice. awesome yeah without to be able to do that twice in one day without kids was pretty amazing so anyway yeah. we're finally getting getting back to the podcast and we're excited to to get back to it um, we did, before we get um, started, we did want to do our drawing for mm-hmm. our... Um, the Chick-fil-A gift the card. Chick- the Chick-fil-A gift card. The $10 Chick-fil-A gift card. So I'm actually going to do that live. I have like a random generator. So you ready? Yeah, go ahead. All right, here we go. The winner is Michael. All right. AKA, what was his name? On, oh, I can't remember. Uh, the... it, Superfly Honey. Yeah, we, we learned, Superfly we learned honey. the... And there you was a, there's a background story to that, so you can ask ask Michael uh, about Superfly Honey, and that username that he has. Um, but he has won a ten dollar gift card. So way to go, Michael! Golf thank, thank you for the review. <laughs> yeah. uh, really appreciate you guys yeah. for giving us reviews on on Google, or not on Google on uh, iTunes uh, and on uh, for the the podcast app, and it it really helps us you know, know that this is worth something and people appreciate it and stuff. And, uh, and also just helps it get our names out there. So even if you haven't reviewed it yet, you know, please go review it. We really, really would appreciate that. 
Um, we love doing this and we want to keep doing it and getting the reviews and stuff helps that get out to other people. Yeah. Um, so we really appreciate any reviews that you give. So. Yeah. And maybe in the future we'll do another, another drawing, but we'll give it, give it some time. Yeah. Um, so next we're going to have some, a question and a scripture. Um, and these are going to be from, we're going to have the question from Spencer. Yes. And the scripture is going to be from his, his wife, Brianna, and they are part of the, they're one of the married couples in our YAT group. And so, um, we really appreciate them yeah, sending in. Yeah, taking the time and sending it in and being thankful, or we're thankful for that and just, uh, that they have that willingness to, to do that. So here is Spencer's question. My question is for Garrett and Melissa, and I was just wondering why you started doing a podcast. Okay, so I think I'm going to have Garrett answer this question first, just because he was the one who originally started the podcast, and um, I think some of those po- episodes have been like archived now. Yeah, yeah so originally I, I started doing the podcast because I was teaching Heaven and Earth, which was a really complicated subject um, that I had never done before. I had never really... Um, put that much effort into something before and I wanted to make sure that I worked out what I wanted to say and I wanted it to be right and I really don't have um, you know I, I wanted to make sure the things that I was saying made sense and that I could relay it and I also knew that doing a <laughs> what would end up being you know you think you're supposed to have like 30, 30 to 35 minutes or something for a class on Sunday mornings, but most of the time it ends up being like 15 minutes. And I didn't want to dumb down the subject either and to like dilute it and make it something, you know, I wanted to go to a deeper level. And so what I ended up doing was that I went through the class and I recorded a podcast for each class just so that I could get my words out and to work out what I wanted to say, because there were some things that I would go through and say and be like, man, I really don't think that, you know, I really think it's this, you know, I really think Mm -hmm. it's something different. And it helped me work out my, my own thoughts on the subject. And so originally that's why I started it is that I could, I could go through the class, um, before we actually had the class on Sunday morning. And then, um, afterwards, if you guys had missed a class, then you could, instead of trying to catch up on something that had a lot of deep theology in it, um, that it could be something that people could go back and listen and say, Hey, I, you know, I missed that. But yeah, I have, I have archived those because I feel like what we're doing now is totally different and that, um, there's still some good, you know, I feel like what we're doing now is better than my original thing, but it was just something that it started with, like I started doing a podcast because I wanted to work that out. That's why I originally started doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then whenever Heaven and Earth was done, I was like, well, what do we do now? Like, what do I what do? I, do? I want to keep doing a podcast. I really like the idea of it. Um, I think it would be good to um, keep doing this for the Yak group. Um, and what, But what do we want to do? And so we kind of started doing a subject with, you know, we were going to follow along with whatever Yak was doing. Um, but then I was like, you know, I listen to all kinds of podcasts and stuff and a lot of really good theology podcasts that go over subjects like the law or what does it mean? What is the Holy Spirit about? What is this about? But I hadn't really heard anybody do 
a chapter by chapter study that we read scripture together and we just go through it. And there's good things to have like as background for that to helps you do it. But I really like I came to really believe in this when we were doing Thursday night Bible studies or Monday night, depending on what night we had it. But mm-hmm. like we just read through scripture together and we talked about it and it was really it changed a lot of people. It changed me. Um and how I approached the scriptures and I was like, why don't we just do that on a podcast? And mm-hmm. and not only that, but that me and you could study together and have something that we are on a weekly basis dedicated to putting effort into. Because I think scripture is not something that you can come to and just not put any effort into it. It's something that you actually have to work for. It's something it's not a uh, we wanted we want to kind of go to it to maybe pick out you know one or two things that that maybe sound good for our particular situation or we use it as a proof text or whatever we want to whatever point we want to make but that's just not how the scriptures are meant to be used they're they're meditation literature they're something to be explored and to uh, to mull over and to you know let let it boil you know like mm-hmm. in you and. I feel like whenever we do it this way, when we go chapter by chapter and we read it for the words that they are in the context that it's in and try to try to dig deep into it, we get so much more out of it and it starts to change and shape us over time. And that's something that I have seen. I've seen it do to me. I've seen it done to others as we read scripture together and we go through it a little bit at a time, not approaching it necessarily with a with an agenda of like, I want to learn about this subject today, or I want to learn about that subject today, that we just go to it and we say, all right, I'm going to read Exodus. And I'm going to figure out what, what is Exodus about and how am I supposed to reflect off of it? Like, how is it how is it working on me? Because mm-hmm. that's what it's doing. It's working on us. You know, we tend to impose our will on the scriptures, but the scriptures are supposed to be imposing its will on us. And we're supposed to be allowing that to happen. And I think whenever we start doing that, when we're doing what we're doing right now, it's not something that happens right now. It's something that will happen over a long period of time as we delve into the scriptures that it changes us slowly and surely that God works on us through his word. And I, I, I fully believe in that. And I think that's what I wanted. I was like, well, we've done it for, we had done it for like two years here at the house. It's like, why not do it on a podcast? And then our kids can listen to it, you know, whenever they're older, if you mm-hmm. know, whenever... Uh, you know, whenever I'm gone or whatever, they could say, you know, like, I wonder what dad thought about this subject. And they would have something mm-hmm. that they can go and look at, you know, and say, what, you know, what's dad's commentary on Moses, on Moses, you know, before Pharaoh. Right. Um, and they could do that. So I don't know what your thoughts. So for me, I had had it kind of on my heart to want, like wanting to do a podcast for a while while Garrett was working on the Heaven and Earth series. Um I wanted to do it with Garrett. I knew that the heaven and earth stuff was not like, it was so complicated. It wasn't going to be something that I felt like we could do together, mm-hmm. I guess. Or I wasn't at a place where I felt like I could be a part of that just from a like theological, like planning everything kind of level. Um, so I was a little hesitant to do that. Um, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted it to be about, but I, I think I came at it at a little bit of a different angle of just like wanting people to get to know me outside of maybe being just a mom um like because when I am with groups and I have I I think I've said this before on the podcast because our kids are so little when we're with groups like one of us Garrett or I 
uh, suffers as far as um, like being able to really engage with what's going on with mm-hmm. the people there. And we want to be there. It just obviously with two little kids, it makes it hard to be like locked in and like really opening up. And, you know, so we kind of. Yeah, one of us or both of us is always having to have an eye on a kid. Right. And it it keeps us from interacting with everybody the way we would necessarily like to. Right. So Um, we usually try to tag team that. Um, but it it's still, you know, your kids are in the same space as you. Mm -hmm. So it kind of does limit like you know, in some ways that ability to just, you know, I, I assume as they get older, it'll get a little easier as far as that's concerned when they're not, you know, trying to go find something poisonous to mm-hmm. drink or, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but so that was kind of, um, uh, of one of my reasons. And I just, I don't know, I just really feel this desire to try to be honest with people but like I feel like sometimes we try to conceal too much of what we're really going through and so I liked the idea of having an opportunity to share some of the not so good moments and and share some of the good moments in a way that is a little bit less intimidating for me too because um I just I can't sit here and think about who's going to end up listening to the podcast I just, I'm sitting here with my husband and I just am talking about stuff. Right. And so it, you know, I don't go back and listen to the podcast, so I don't, (laughs) I just, you know, it's just like we're sitting here having a conversation about things that we're dealing with or things that, you know, have been fun lately. And I just, I like that it's a way for people to get to know me and us and just our family better. Um, I also, the, um wanted to challenge myself to read scripture a little um like on a deeper level because I am not a big reader Garrett is a huge reader has always been a huge reader and so like digging in he's a natural learner this has always come easier to him as far as like and in, from an interest level mm-hmm. um and so this is something that has really challenged me to do that and it's been a good thing for me it's been a good thing for our marriage over overall um but then the other thing I guess this will be my last point is that even before COVID we had kind of thought about how um you know our focus is the YAT group and how you know you have people graduate from college and go to grad school in different places or just you know get married and move somewhere or people just move for a job and we wanted to have a way to still connect with those people mm-hmm. um, that have maybe moved to another area that maybe used to come to our Bible study, but they've moved away. And so they aren't able, you know, to, you know, maybe they come when they're in town or whatever. Um, but to just kind of still keep those people plugged in so that if they ever do find themselves, you know, back in town, then we can, you know, kind of pick up where we left off right they still know stories of caleb that have been going on (laughs) or that they you know there's still some connection there and also for uh when we were doing bible study that if somebody missed a week it wouldn't be that big a deal you know that it would be like hey i can catch up on this and yeah uh, and listen to kind of what the thoughts were on it and and really my goal my opinion my goal is to make it so that people aren't intimidated by the scriptures anymore. It's not to say that I want you to think what I think. I want to challenge you to want to read scripture, you know, and, and learn it. 
um, not just you, Melissa, you know, cause we are talking to each other, but yeah. like, it just, it, it, it I want to challenge listeners to, I, I want you to read scripture. That's, what, that's where I'm trying to get you to go. And that's what the people that have influenced me, they've helped me read scripture. They're excited about it and they want, and it's just driven me to be like, I do want to read that. And I want to go figure out what, what that says. And, uh, and what this is all all about. I want to make it less intimidating because mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of what happens. We we talk about Nahum, you know. It's like mm-hmm. Nahum is an intimidating book when you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And but to kind of break down those borders or those barriers and say no, it it is there are there are resources out there for you so that you can do this, that you can read through these scriptures and understand and come to know God at a deeper level. And that's what, I think that's my goal for it. And that's always been my goal, even whenever I was doing the heaven and earth stuff. It's like, I don't want, I don't want to convince you to just think like me. I want to convince you that scripture is awesome and so and to go to it because it reveals who God is and you can come to know him at a deeper level because of it. And so if I can get you there, that my goal is achieved. Yeah. If I can get you to read scripture more uh, on a on a regular basis, that you can be excited about it and not just be like, oh, it's just some old archaic book that I don't know what to do with and I have no idea how to answer these questions. But Jesus is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can get you to where it's like the this whole thing is exciting, then I feel like I've achieved my goal and that um, that you're reading scripture more and seeing it uh, seeing it not as like this old ancient text, but something that's very intricate and dynamic and yeah. like really engaging and makes you think about who I am, who who God is relative to me and how how do these two things work off of each other and so that that's kind of I think that's my end goal for this yeah. is not like if I had one goal to pick for this podcast is that I can get people to read scripture and not necessarily that they think exactly what I think, but that they could, if they go and read scripture, then man, we we will all be in a better place because yeah. it's it's whenever stuff gets taken out of context and we just and then we start fighting with each other and that just doesn't help. Yeah. Um, One last thing that I I will say is that like my main goal for our kids are to like point them to Jesus and for them to know Jesus and 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 what He did for us and um, my sister in law. Her dad passed away in December, which was shortly before we started doing mm-hmm. the podcast. And he was a um, he was a preacher, and so I realized that he had all these recordings of his sermons on the internet. And this goes back to what you were talking about earlier of just like how you know Caleb and Sadie can go, you know, someday they can listen to these whether we're here or gone or whatever, you know. Um, and that this is kind of a way where no matter what's going on with me, I still have my voice out there to help point them to Jesus in mm-hmm. the best way that I, you know, that I can. Um, and I think it'll be, it might be kind of cool. I said I don't listen to them, but I think it might be kind of cool to listen, like, go back years from yeah. now and, like, Yeah, whenever even we finish them. Exodus, yeah. that we can go back and listen to the first podcast and be like, oh, you know, like, I, maybe I see that a little bit differently now. But, and, yeah, I just thought yeah. it was so neat to think for my sister-in-law and, and her family that they can go back and still hear her dad's voice and him talking about the things that were most important to him. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought that was really cool. And that kind of wanted me, that kind of pushed me further of like, okay, 
I've got to do this. Yeah. All right. So uh, now we're going to get uh, Brianna's uh, scripture, her favorite scripture, or what is impactful to her right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me is not in vain. This verse is one of my favorites because it puts several things into perspective. The first is that this verse is coming from Paul, a former Pharisee who was persecuting Christians for proclaiming that Jesus was the Son of God. He knew Christ was coming but didn't think it could be Jesus. He believed that these Christians were blaspheming in the name of Christ. Paul did what he thought to be right and became one of the biggest persecutors of Christians at the time. God turned Paul's story around and used him as a disciple to carry out his will. How many times have we persecuted fellow Christians for the things that we think are right or wrong? Another perspective is that, by the grace of God, I am who I am. It's by the grace of God that I am Brianna Jones. With this grace, I am alive. I have mercy and forgiveness and a life that I love. It's by his grace that I know God and his word, and I strive daily for that grace not to be in vain. He will turn my mistakes and missteps around for his glory. No matter what we have done, his love, grace, mercy, and sacrifice are not in vain. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. His power is made perfect in weakness. Okay, when I was listening to this, I literally got chills because Brianna spoke with such conviction. And um, I like when she said, I am Brianna Jones and you know, like is by grace that I am, that I have this life. And, um, I don't, I can't even like articulate my words beyond that just because I just love the conviction that she spoke with so much of just this idea of God using whatever our past is and whatever we currently think or whatever we currently believe that he can use it for his purposes and Mm -hmm. for, for the good. Um, and that I love how she was explaining about Paul's history and, and who he had been and where he had come from and that, you know, him recognizing that God is still using him. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I just thought that was just really well articulated. Yeah. Well, and, and so just a little bit of reflection here with this section. I mean, like, I think I... I, I could be wrong on this. I, if I remember correctly, I, I think he's getting pretty well run down by the... This is, the First Corinthians is not a is not a good, like... <laughs> uh, it's not a praising letter. Uh, it's one that is written with a lot of frustration and irritation towards the Corinthians and what is going on in Corinth and what they're allowing to happen and what they're saying about him. And they're actually like... They're being like, he's not a, he's not a real apostle. You know, and they're kind of running him down, and he's like, "No, no, listen, I'm teaching you, I'm te- I'm teaching you everything that these guys are, mm-hmm. you know." And I was given, you know, I was the least of them, sure, but by the grace of God, I was being given that I was given that opportunity that I had. I I didn't deserve it, but yet here he was on the road. You know, he he met me in Damascus on the Damascus road, mm-hmm. and that I was the least of the apostles. I was unworthy to even be this, you know. Um, because I persecuted the church of God and he's humbled in that. Um, but these people are also running him down, um, you know, and pretending that a, they're saying the resurrection didn't happen, which is what the whole next section is. Um, and they're being like, but don't listen to Paul. He's, you know, he's crazy. He, he, you know, he, he 
persecuted the church and stuff. And Paul's like, no, this is like, I was given this opportunity and I'm teaching you the same thing that, that Peter taught you, uh, or that Peter is teaching. Um, and I have as much authority in it, uh, because of what I'm saying, not because of who I am, because, but because of what I'm saying of the truth of the matter, that this gospel that I preached, it's what, it's what has power, not me. Um, which is where, where this begins, you know, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, you know, which you received and which you stand by which you were saved, which you hold fast. He's talking about the gospel. That's where the power is. And our dog is being really annoying. He always finds a way to be annoying when we're doing the podcast. But anyways, um, but so like he's, you know, he's talk he, he is talking about like how he's not worthy of this, but yet he's given it anyways Mm -hmm. and and can you think of a more loaded statement to say i am what i am even in in light of in Mm -hmm. inside in in reflection of exodus you know to say by the grace of god i am who i am yeah um but uh yeah he's saying you know it's god's grace that has allowed me to do this and then uh his grace is so much that you know because i was so far off the rails and he's given me that grace, that response that he's got, he's given is I worked harder than any of them, though it wasn't me, but by the grace of God that was in me, you know, it was like, I've, I've responded with, with hard work, you know, and responding to the gospel, uh, and the grace that was given to me because I was so garbage. Yeah. Uh, it, it resulted in something even more. Um, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was working. And so I think that's really um, really cool. Um, but just highlighting like his, he feels insufficient in it, but yet he's like, but I am sufficient because of God, because of who he is. I'm sufficient. Um, which I think has been a running theme. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I love that Brianna ended it with, um, God talking about, or saying God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Um, and just how that kind of does takes it takes me back to Exodus, takes me back to Moses of we're like almost we're at a point where we're trying to convince Moses of that, that God's power is made perfect in your weakness. You don't have to worry about all these things like God's power is just going to shine all the more clearer here. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of that reminder that that is what is happening in this story is God's power is being made perfect in Moses's weaknesses Mm -hmm. that he is insecure about speaking, that he's kind of a loner, like, you know, that he's just struggling with maybe some doubts and, and fears of, of what's going to happen. And, and that, you know, the Israelite situation seems to be getting worse. And I just think that that's kind of a cool, again, we're kind of like, I love it when we bridge the old, the old Testament and the new Testament, because that seems to be the most meaningful to me because I know, I have been one to struggle with um, finding the connection points with the Old Testament. Our dog is distracting you so much. I know, I hate it. He's just licking, he's like a cat, yeah. honestly. Yeah, it's really annoying. I want to throw something at him right now. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, the connection, though. Yeah. I mean, but like to think about, so, I mean, you could say it like this with uh, with Moses, of the for I I'm the he he would say I'm the least of the prophets, mm-hmm. unworthy to be called a prophet because I per- persecuted you know like it, mm-hmm. but like you can hear it in Moses these like I why who am I 
and we and we've gone over that mm-hmm. and how how he feels that way and now Paul is very much reflecting that. I mean, it's not just Exodus. It it's over and over and over again. We just happen to be studying Exodus and be like, oh wow, that it connects. Yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah. could we could really be reading any stinking book uh, from from the Old well, Testament. Haven't you, and be, haven't you noticed that? Like really with um with all of these different scriptures that people have provided us with, uh, several of them have been from the New Testament. And we have always been like, oh, wow, isn't it neat how this connects back? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not just It's not coincidence. coincidence no, it's know? always, and to them, it was completely interwoven. There was no separating. And also, uh, like, we're not planning for that. Like, no. I mean, like, it's not like it's something where we listen ahead to these recordings and go, oh, well, why don't we put that with this, you know. It just goes to show how Scripture is all connected yeah because it is one story yeah so that's just really neat yeah so to to go back to to old moses here um old moses yeah so so we we're gonna we're gonna pick up chapter seven um and just to i'll just remind of the last line um and yahweh spoke to moses saying i am yahweh speak to pharaoh the king of egypt all that i am speaking to you and moses said before yahweh look i am a poor speaker and how will Pharaoh listen to me? And so that's how it, that's how chapter six ends. It's just the open ended question: How is he going to listen to me? Um, he's completely in doubt of everything. He's been left uh, feeling like there's no um, no actual hope that um, that God's going to do what God said He would do. Um, so that's where that's what we're 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 picking up with with chapter seven. So you want to read this first section? Yeah. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, and the Israelites." And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Okay, so we have, again, Yahweh speaks to him and gives him the same kind of spiel that he gave him before. I mean, this is all a kind of repeated language that he's giving to Moses, um, one thing I'll note here is that, um, you know, he, he says, See, I have made you as a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. I don't want to just, like, skip over that. What, yeah. is, what does that mean? What does that mean that he's as a god to Pharaoh? Like, that seems like, what, you know, what, what do you mean that this person is a god? Um, and you want to say something? Well, I mean, I just, I noticed when we first read it that it wasn't, made you like a lowercase g god to pharaoh and so it's it's saying like god and i that kind of struck me mm-hmm. initially and then i loved how when we were talking about it you were explaining that 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 word god here is elohim yeah is it's elohim right? yeah and so that is taking us back to Genesis, right? Yeah, so Genesis one one one, you know, or where 
where God is there creating, he that's Elohim. That's that God. Uh, Genesis 2, it shifts to Yahweh. Uh, they're both the same. They're just different ways of describing who God is. Uh, it, but Elohim is more generic. Uh, that could be for any any God. Um, but this seems to... Elohim, in this case, is like a um, the ultimate God. Uh, whatever ultimate God that is, Yahweh ends up being that ultimate God uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures. And so... Um, it's it's a li- just a little bit more generic, I mm-hmm. guess. But it's the Genesis one chapter one uh, Elohim, um, but yeah, he. So, it, I I think it's pointed in that it's like you know let's make let's make man in our image, mm-hmm. they're like God. Okay, they're in his they're his reflection. Uh, they're supposed to reflect his image out into the world and out into his creation. Uh, they're they're assigned as you know rulers and reigners on his behalf. Uh, they don't end up fulfilling that goal. We don't end up fulfilling that goal the way that we, we ought to. Um, and we fall from that. Um, but here, now we have Moses, who's this redemptive character, uh, who he's saying, you're going to be like God. Now, all of a sudden, we have a new image bearer. We have one, somebody that is bearing the image of God uh, to Pharaoh. And, and then Aaron, his prophet. Um, but I think it's just to say that like he's representing Yahweh. That's what this means. He's a representative of Yahweh in this story. Um, and I don't, that's not light. That's not something to be right. taken lightly. And that's ultimately what Israel was going to be. They're going to be, they're supposed to be reflectors of God out into the world. Um, they don't, don't end up fulfilling that very well. But then uh, through the Messiah, we now are supposed to be those image bearers, those ones that are reflecting God's image out into the world. And so this is kind of our task too. Yeah. So he's representing to Pharaoh. In our case, we, we are reflecting and bearing God's image out into our world yeah. uh, and supposed to be you know, uh, interacting with people on God's behalf uh, and reflecting that image. Yeah, so there was, when we talked about this the other day, it's something that I have been thinking about actually a lot like I even thought about this during during my run on Saturday of just like this idea of you were talking we were talking the other day about how a lot of times we say like oh I'm only human Mm -hmm. and so that's why I sin (laughs) and I think that's where you're about to go with this maybe Um, but anyway like we kind of blame our sin on the fact that well I'm only human Um, but like in this case it's like to be human is to be an image bearer of God. Yeah, it's the pinnacle of God's creation. Yeah. To be human is to be the pinnacle of we God's are creation. The o- yeah, we are the yeah. only creature, I guess, yeah. in, in creation that is made in the image of God. And right. yet we try to blame that, like... Yeah, to say that I... So, uh, that's just... So, uh, at the heart of that, I get that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But what, what is, what's really, sure. what's really should be at the heart of that is, like, I'm sinful. Yeah. And it's sin that creates those types of things. Uh, to be truly human, that's what Jesus was. Jesus was truly human. He was the one that was that was truly be, being that image bearer of God uh, and is ultimately ruling and reigning. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to be truly human is to, you know, that that is a, that's the pinnacle of God's creation. That is something to be, you know, strive for, you know, to say I'm only human, that, that just really demeans our, I think our, um, our status. Um, it makes it more like we're 
like the, you know very similar to the rest of creation but no I, we're the pinnacle of it we're we humanity after humanity is made is whenever god says it's very good yeah you know and it, it's not before that it's after it. it's whenever that happens creation is very good so i just want to 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 note that it's just like it's a, it's a really awesome thing to be human yeah um and the the trouble was is that we we became subhuman in that we we chose our own way we stopped reflecting the image of god we started reflecting the creation back to itself we started worshiping creation uh, as opposed to the creator and um and then that you know then ultimately we're not fulfilling our goal we're not fulfilling mm-hmm. our purpose which is to reflect god's image out into the world and so ne- then we're we're less than human when we're when we're not doing that yeah uh, but when we're truly human we're f- reflecting god's image out into the world and what's interesting is like when we read this verse and i mentioned i had been thinking about it a lot like it changes the, our conversation the other day kind of changed the way that i viewed people i think when i um like when we were out at the park the other day i tried to consciously like every person that i pass was thinking like you are a human and you were made in the image of God. And like when you are consciously thinking about that, about every person, every stranger that you kind of come across, it just changes you. Mm-hmm. Like um, I remember I've done that before with like kids getting off a bus or something. Like I was behind a bus one day and it, like all these kids are getting off and like I just, you don't know their stories or like what they might be dealing with at home or whatever. And it just kind of is like when you sit back and really realize that all these people were created by God and that he cares so deeply for them. It just changes you. Yeah. And I think that this verse has kind of reminded me of that yeah. in a weird way, in yeah. a weird roundabout way. Yeah. And so uh, Peter Enns writes this. He says, um, as people recreated in God's image, as true image bearers, we are the means by which the news of God's salvation spreads. Rarely, if ever, does one repent of one's sins by watching a sunset or by or, or some attempt some other attempt at communing with nature the primary way god has ordained to bring others onto the path of being a restored image bearer is through words through communication and this normally involves some form of human contact this is the purpose behind the mystery of the incarnation for god to reach us he became like us Christians in whom the image of God has been restored in Christ are the ideal means to spread God's word. It is not verbal manipulation or finely crafted arguments. It is the whole person's life so thoroughly recreated in God's image that bears witness to the world, that draws people to the kingdom. There is more to being a witness than quoting Bible verses and refraining from certain filthy habits as Christ's brothers and sisters we are God we are God to the world. Our goal is to be part of the process that brings the world back to its Edenic glory. To the extent to which that goal is realized is of course the Lord's doing and not ours. Still we labor towards that end. Put otherwise, we reflect God's image to the world in which that image has been corrupted by the effects of sin. The ways in which we perform this role, the ways in which we, like Moses, act as witnesses uh, to the nations are varied and diverse. So that's just to say, like, I mean, we we are re- representing God to the world and we may be the only representatives that some some people see. And so that's our that's our goal. 
is that like we're we're trying to reflect God's image out to people and be that representative, just like Moses is being that representative before Pharaoh and before the Egyptians. He's there to represent God. And so that's that's what's happening in this story. I think it's very important. Not not a verse you just skip over and mm-hmm. don't consider its implications. Um so he tells he's again he says that Aaron's gonna be your mouthpiece. He's gonna be the one that, that speaks to Pharaoh. Um, and he's going to release the Israelites. And again, I, I myself will harden the heart of Pharaoh. And we've talked about that before. Um, and I will make my signs and my wonders norm- numerous in, in the land. Um, but uh, ultimately, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to bring them out. And they're going to come out from, I'm going to stretch out my hand. That's just something to note. I'll stretch out my hand over Egypt. Uh, and they'll bring them out from, from their midst. So he's going to bring him out from the Egyptians' midst and bring him into his midst. He's going to be in their midst, in the midst of Israel. That's going to be kind of the purpose of this whole Exodus story in the first place, is to dwell in the midst of Israel and be among them and in them. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of this, again, is kind of repeat language. It is, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's a, we need this repetition yeah. promise, you know, like the... Like because we lose faith and it's like no I I'm st- I'm st- I'm gonna repeat the promise yeah you know trust I'm my tell timing you. yeah uh, I did think it was interesting um, that this section ends with their ages because mm-hmm. um, obviously eighty and eighty three is kind of up there yeah for sure um, in this time period I'm you know they get yeah this old. but then I also kind of wonder like and I don't know the answer to this at this point of like if we're going to see their ages again in future chapters and kind of like have that as like a benchmark for us to mm-hmm. kind of see how long different things take. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, it's kind of like, okay, this is the real starting point. So just, just so you know, right. Moses was 80. <laughs> right. right. So, um, and so this next se- section means what am I reading? I'm doing eight, eight through 13. Okay. And Yahweh said to Moses and to Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Do a wonder for yourselves, you will say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. And Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and they did so, as Yahweh had commanded them. And Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a snake. And Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did likewise with their secret arts. Each threw down his staff, and they became snakes. And Aaron's staff, it swallowed up their staffs. And Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he did not listen to them, as Yahweh had said. So what's your what's your first take on this? So one of my first um, thoughts about this was, this is similar to the first miracle that they perform just for the Israelites to Mm -hmm. kind of show, yeah, like God sent us kind of thing. And so it's kind of like, again, a repetition of something they've already done, except for this time it's in front of Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was the kind of the first thing that stuck out to me. And I wonder if that's why Moses and Aaron were so confident in it is just because it's like, yep, we've done this one before. Let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Like we know how to do this. Um, But then I think um, just like, recognizing okay this is going to be the beginning of pharaoh trying to like flex like flex his muscles back at at god mm-hmm. um and at moses and aaron um and and just kind of seeing that take place um you have a lot to say about the snake <laughs> <laughs> well 
Well, what, I mean, is, is there anything else with the interaction that you find interesting? or? Um, I think, you know, the fact that they had multiple snakes and their one snake yeah. took down, you know, we I don't really know how many snakes, but I mean, they, they brought out all these, you know, magicians and sorcerers and I would think that that yeah it says each one threw down his staff and became a snake so like it's like one versus many and I wonder why in my mind I've always thought three. You did you think three? I kind of did too, but I kind of wonder if that's just like. You know, it's kind of like how we do with like baby Jesus was born and three wise men came, and it's like well there was just three. I gifts. think in my in my brain, I I think this whole time, even whenever we studied it before, I think in my mind I've had three snakes in my head, and I don't know why. I have no idea why. I kind of the the other thing that I had in my mind was that like Aaron and Moses, their snake was like the snake in um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> you know, yeah. like huge. Yeah, the basilisk. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that the other ones were like garden snakes. <laughs> right. Well, it, it, I guess it would have been after it ate the other ones, not the other three, just the other ones. Um, but yeah, that it would have grown uh, three sizes that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so uh, this, uh, it's a total, I mean, this is the first interaction power move. Yeah. Um, they go in, they finally have something to do. Uh, something to show Pharaoh as opposed to just words. Um, before they gave him a chance, they gave him a chance with words, and they they're still saying, you know, hey, do this. Um, but it, it, they they really just go down and throw down, um, literally, um, and they throw down their staff. Like, hey, check it, out this. Yeah, stick. check out this stick. <laughs> so what's fascinating? This is something you can't necessarily see just on on face value. Um, this is so the word for snake here is tanin. Um, it has occurred one other time in scripture, uh, which is Genesis chapter one. But whenever you go back to the, the burning bush, whenever he throws down his staff, it becomes a Nahas. So that becomes, it's a different word. Why change the word? And so it could be that, you know, the, uh, before whenever he threw it down, it became a Nahas. And then the, the author is just like, Hey, you know, there's other words for snake. You know, it's like saying snake or serpent. Yeah. You know, um, there's another word for, for, for snake and I'll use that here, but that just would seem weird to me, you know, like that you would do that, that you would change it, but it becomes tanin and the tanin, uh, I, I think it's purposeful. Um, it may not be, but I think, I think it is. Um, and so the tanin chapter, Genesis chapter one is the, it's really the, the great chaos monster, uh, that God creates in the sea. Um, that it teams with life and the tanin was there. It's the it's the chaos monster, um, and what what it's representing is is God's power over the chaos monster, um, and that He's able to in other ancient Near East cultures the chaos monster was something to be reckoned with. It was it was a god in and of itself. A representative of that would be uh, in Babylonian culture it would be uh, Tiamat. So Tiamat and uh, Marduk, I think, I may I could be totally wrong on that, but they they battle it out. Marduk ends up winning, but you know you kind of have like this chaos monster that's that's Tiamat um, that is a force to be reckoned with in the Hebrew culture in the Hebrew writings. It's just it's just another thing that's under God's power, you know that that has really no um, 
no ability to even fight back against its creator. Um, it's totally underneath him. Um, and then Nahas would be in Genesis chapter three. Uh, that's what that's the serpent that comes and tempts um, uh, Eve and Adam. And uh, so, anyways, I I think that that's a that's a big possibility for it. The staff of Aaron, then, as it swallows the tanin of Pharaoh, is another example of the theme of that God is giving order to the chaos. So this is I'll just repeat this is what Peter ends writes. He says more important tanin in the Old Testament as well as in the ancient Near East represents the chaotic forces of nature that God conquers at creation. According to the ancient worldview, creation means the power of God giving order to chaos. The staff of Aaron, then, as it swallows the tanin of Pharaoh, is another example of this theme. The king represents the anti-God, anti-creation force, which the true God conquers. So it it swallows them up. And then that will lead me into the second aspect of this. Um, This word, uh, swallows up, uh, is the Hebrew word balal, or uh, balah. And it is only used twice in the book of Exodus. Uh, the first time is here. The second time is in Exodus chapter 15 when they are celebrating their deliverance, spoiler alert, their, their deliverance from Egypt. And what ends up happening is that the waters swallow up Pharaoh in Egypt. Mm. And, and so it's used here at the very beginning, the first throwdown, the snake swallows up Pharaoh's Pharaoh's snakes, uh, and then it will end, it'll decisively end whenever the chaotic waters are both simultaneously delivering Israel as well as swallowing up Egypt. Um, And so I think it's very artistically placed in that this is something that happens to represent what's a what's going to happen at the end. It's bookended by this swallowing yeah. up. And both situations kind of seem like against all odds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, of the, like it's able one to, snake versus yeah, multiple, multiple. You know, so yeah, yeah. And so, <clears throat> I think I think that's what's what's happening here is that um, it seems like they're able to do the same thing, but it's like actually God has way more power, and He swallows up their power, and it looks like nothing. Yeah. Um, at the end. Um, and then I think we also want to make sure we point out that Pharaoh's heart became hard. And that is his, this is not God making his heart hard at this point. It's yeah. just worded as, you know, this it, it's situation. A, it's just is, his heart was hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that could be, you know, it could be as Yahweh said, Yahweh said, I, I'll, I myself will harden his heart. But again, I, I think it's like this. You know, this frustration with this yeah. person coming into my court, he's, you know, representing this God, and I'm a God. You know, like, that's what mm-hmm. he's thinking. I'm a God, and I can't allow this to happen. And so he's resisting He's resisting the possibility of what this means. And so even though it's right there before him, the sign is very clear. Yeah, well, but, he's trying to make him look silly because he's yeah. like, yeah, you can do that, and so can many more of yeah. my guys. Like, my yeah. guys can do that, too. This is not impressive. Right. Like, he's trying to make it look. Yeah, and, like, the magicians are kind of like Moses, you know, in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, like, Moses and the magicians are, uh, you know, plotted with each other, but Pharaoh and Yahweh are the ones that are uh, put against each other. They're the ones that are battling it out. Yeah. And Yahweh decisively wins uh, this particular instance, right? So that's the way it starts. Everything kind of kind of starts here, and it's gonna it's gonna boil up from here. 
So you want to read this next section? All right. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water. Wait on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you to say, Let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die, and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. Yeah, so again, it begins about about Pharaoh's heart right here. And it says, Pharaoh's heart is insensitive, uh, and it's heavy. Um, and... You know, he, he he refuses to release the people. Again, there's no sense in here of like, I'm forcing him to not release the people. You know, it. I mean, he's saying he's insensitive. He's not feeling anything. His heart is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he, he has no desire to re- release the people. So go to Pharaoh in the morning and look, he's going to go out to the water. And here's what you need to do. He's giving them instructions now. So everything's actually falling into place you know, after Moses's frustration and everything, he's starting. Everything's starting to actually happen, and things are uh, starting to roll. Um, and uh, now this is the beginning. You know, this is where everything starts to fall apart um, for Pharaoh, who believes in himself to be a god, and you know, and God is going to prove otherwise. You know, he's going to say, you know, whatever you are, you're not really comparable to me. And he's going to use nature itself. It's he's going to use creation itself to be the means for which he executes his justice. Um, and so, you, I thought you had some a really good thought on the Nile. Like what? Whenever he's talking about the Nile turning to blood, what is does that call you back to anything? With this, you remember your thought? On this? <laughs> I remember having a thought on it. Now oh, okay. I can't remember what the thought was. Well, I mean, so like the very opening of Exodus about the babies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, I mean, so at the beginning of Exodus when, well, it wasn't this Pharaoh. It was the, the first Pharaoh. Well, I don't know if he's the first. Yeah. But the Pharaoh before him, he had all the babies baby boys thrown into the river and basically spilling their blood into the river. And it's kind of like, I kind of felt like this is God saying like, I know what you have done. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what you have, you've spilt blood into this river on your own. And now here it is. Like, yeah, it just kind of, I don't know. Like I can't imagine if Pharaoh is kind of thinking back to what his, I guess, predecessor yeah had done and how he's it seems like he has gone along in his same path and probably would have made similar choices um i I just kind of wonder if he's thinking back to the fact that like is this for the blood that i spilled that was spilled in this river already yeah and it's almost like it's an unveiling of what the nile really is like it's showing it for its truth that it's actually it was actually made a river of blood by your actions and by how you're treating people, this is actually a river of blood. Yeah. Um. And that, you know, yeah. That he's like, I, you know, I've seen, I've seen you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's that unveiling. I know what's it. happened here. Yeah, and you, I, I kind of wonder, especially like, in a time where I think the people felt like God wasn't paying attention. You mm-hmm. know, 
Like from an Israelite perspective, it's like, why don't you intervene, God? And he's like, I know what happened, Mm -hmm. you know, at this point. Yeah. And so, uh, and this is, this is what, um, Peter Enns writes on this. He says, Egypt's greatness as a civilization was wholly dependent on the life-giving waters of the Nile. An attack on the Nile was nothing less than an attack on Egypt itself. It is, in other words, an omen of things to come. And in this sense, fits nicely with the things that came up above with this subject. Um, But the first plague is both a swift retribution for the previous attempt to kill the Israelite male children in a jarring preview of Egypt's ultimate fate. The waters of the Nile will no longer bring security and prosperity to Egypt. They will rather be the cause of Egypt's destruction. A miraculous uh, blood of the, the the miraculous blood of the first plague will soon become the blood of the Egyptian soldiers in the Red Sea. Um, and so he, you know, it's like the thing that they put their hope in. The Nile is what they put their hope in. It's their, it's their source of life to them. It's a God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that they worship and he's, uh, he's tearing it down. It's the first thing to go. And it's going to totally rock their world. I mean, to have that, that life source, uh, you know, the Nile was the whole reason Egypt was where it was, you know, and was what it was. Um, it provided everything for life. Um, here's another section. The Nile was personified and worshiped as a God in Egypt. An attack on the Nile, uh, is, uh, in effect an attack on Egypt's God and hence reflects the conflict that drives Exodus narrative as a whole. The fight is not between Israel and Pharaoh, nor even Moses and Pharaoh. It is between God and Pharaoh. Pharaoh is, or as we have seen in chapter 1, is an anti-God character in Egypt, or in Exodus. In fact, he himself was thought to enjoy some type of divine human blend. The act on the, uh, the attack against the Nile is an attack on the true, of the true God on the false ones. So, that's it. Just to give you an idea of why... Why blood? You know, why the mm-hmm. Nile? Um, and I, I think it's probably a combination of all these things. It's like, a, I know what you've done, and also, like, you've, this is something you worship. Yeah. And I'm going to tear it down. And so, before, and before we jump into, like, reading the next section, mm-hmm. um, I do have to just, like, point out the imagery that I have here in my head. <laughs> yeah. Because, okay, we talked earlier about how Moses was 80, (laughs) and Aaron's 83, and they're out here with essentially big sticks beating the water. (laughs) Yeah, so I used to picture these these two old senile men, you know, one of them, they're like, they're kind of wading into the water, maybe in their sandals, mud squishing around, and he's like, Aaron, hit the water! (laughs) You know, and he's like, ah, and it hits the water, splash, and it's like, what's going to happen? Yeah, so like as, yeah. a, as a side story, we went to a Tennessee football game several oh, years yeah. ago, yeah. and um, there was this, it was Tennessee versus Florida, which we lost, which is an easy record to remember for, especially yeah. for That us. was the first one me and you had gone together. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, anyways, there was, as we were walking to the stadium, there was this old man with a, a stick and an inflatable gator. Yeah. And he was... Uh, he was yelling uh, probably obscenities and a lot of uh, 
you know beat it, the gators and <laughs> yeah, he was sitting like, there whacking this inflatable gator and that so like for some reason that image came came to my head when I was thinking about 80, 80 and 83 year old Moses and Aaron sitting there with their yeah it, it's gotta <laughs> you know but like them to and, and mention, you mentioned too it's like it had to have been really helpful for to have Aaron you know, oh, just yeah. as, as as community, it's like, you know, if we're going to be crazy, let's be crazy together. Right. As opposed to just me being crazy by myself. Well, I mean, okay, so they've seen some, like, I would say the other miracles that they've done have been minor in comparison to turning an entire river into blood. Mm-hmm. And so that idea of, like, if you're by yourself and you're like, this staff has worked really well in the past, thanks God, yeah. like... Is it gonna work again? Like, yeah. please actually work to to not be alone in that situation of like, okay, what happens if we hit the water and nothing happens? Yeah, um, that you at least have somebody with you, like those little seeds of doubt. Yeah, you know, um, but yeah, I think that the fact that they're together makes all this a lot easier for right. them, and that that's a good reminder for us that like we can be more confident together and you know, yeah, that we and, need each other. And I think it's pointed. It's like they go after, right after their life source, whatever it is that's making them who they are. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I kind of wonder, it's like, are, are we supposed to reflect on this and be like, you know, what, what is it that I'm putting, you know, my, my hope and my trust in that, that's become my God. And mm-hmm. like, that's the first thing that's got to go. You know, for me to know who Yahweh really is, I've got to get rid of it mm-hmm. and I got to kill it. And that's what, um, you know, it's not that the Nile by itself is bad. Yeah. You know, the Nile is great, but it's a creation. It's a thing that's created. And that's what, that's the problem is it's being worshiped as a, as a, as the life source. And the, the one that's truly the life source is like, no, 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 no. Like you need to remember who the real life source is. You need to come to know me. And that's what he's saying. I, you know, I am Yahweh. That You say you don't know who Yahweh is. I am Yahweh. And I'm going to. He's using the, you know, he's kind of doing this decreative act to show that, like, he's the one that's really got the power here. Um, and who, who it is that is actually, um, you know, responsible for all of this. So what's the, what's the next section here? 19 through the end. Okay. So, and Yahweh said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand out over the, the waters of Egypt and over the rivers and over their channels, and over their pools, and all uh, over their reservoirs of, of water, so that they become blood. And blood will be in the land of Egypt, and in the vessels of wood and of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, as Yahweh had commanded, and he raised the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile before the eyes of Pharaoh, and before the eyes of his servants. And all the water that was in, in the Nile was changed to blood. And the fish that were in the Nile died, and the Nile stank. And the Egyptians were not able to drink water from the Nile, and the blood was in all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of, the, of Egypt did likewise with their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he did not listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. And Pharaoh turned and went to his house, and this also he did not take to heart. And all the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink because they were unable to drink the water from the Nile. 
And seven days passed after Yahweh struck the Nile. So, um, again, you got you got crazy old men, you know, hit the water, uh, and and it it just it happens. And it's stanky water. And it's stanky water now because all the fish die, and um, it, you know, like it, you can just see it, like it just spreading out. And this isn't something you know a lot of people talk about, uh, you know. Oh well, there's this natural occurrence of where uh, the red tide would come in, and like there was this mm-hmm. mixture. Like it's a regular occurrence in Egypt, and um, like that this isn't really that big of a miracle at all. And it's like, okay, well, let's say that that was it. This happened at Yahweh's calling, mm-hmm. at his at his beckoning, uh, if that was the case. But nothing seems to be saying in the narrative that that's the case. Like it seems to think that it's it's really blood. Um, that that's going on here, um, and very thorough. Like even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. I mean, yeah. it's like you know, yeah, all sources of water or as many sources of water as possible. You know, yeah, and uh, and so you know, it, and it's everywhere, and it's ruining life. You know, all the fish die and everything. It's this, it's this decreative act. So God is uh, similar to what He does with Noah. Uh, Noah, with Noah, he decreates and recreates, uh, and now he is kind of executing this on, so the word, the word for reservoirs here, there's only used one other time, it's whenever God collects all the waters in Genesis chapter one and puts them in, in their place. Um, so now he's looking at the reservoirs and he's turning them into blood. It's turning into this chaos. He's, it's under his thumb. And under creation is under his his uh, power, and it's kind of this decreative act to show that listen, Pharaoh, you you know like you're the one that's acting. You in your culture, Pharaoh is the one that's responsible for keeping balance to everything, and if he can't keep balance to it, then he's not very much of a god. And and Yahweh's saying like, no, I'm the one that's got power over creation, and he's kind of decreating Egypt in this moment to show his power. Um, and um, so it, it's just really interesting there with this kind of decreative act. And that's going to be kind of a theme as well uh, throughout Exodus, this creation, decreation kind of thing. And it, it doesn't seem like it, but uh, like you wouldn't expect this, but here's this kind of funny part in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I just imagine. This is uh, the yeah. best part. Yeah, so I, I imagine Pharaoh... So Pharaoh sees all this happen. His his stinking river is stinking, you know, blood. <laughs> his stinking river is stinking. He's like every, everything is blood. All the fish are dead. You know, he doesn't know what to do. He said he goes back to his throne or whatever in this little palace, and he's like trying to figure out what's happening. And Moses is maybe there with him, and his Egyptian his Egyptian magicians run up, and they're like, "Look, we have this 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 clean water." And watch, watch, we turn it into blood. See, we did it too. <laughs> we did it too. In and I face. just imagine Pharaoh is pulling his hair out and being like, that was the only clean water we had. And you just turned it into blood. You morons. It's like you can kind of sit, like these are just like idiot servants. Like, yeah. look, look, Pharaoh. Well, you know, I was trying to think of uh, of maybe a character. It Like, you know, in a, like villains in Disney movies always have like their moronic uh, sidekicks and yeah. stuff, and I guess I was thinking of like Hades in uh, Hercules mm-hmm. and his two moronic friends, you know, yeah. uh, 
dudes that are with him and they're like wearing Hercules uh, um, memorabilia or whatever and wearing his sandals and things. He's like, you idiots. You know, like, yeah. This is my mortal enemy and you're helping him. And yeah. that's basically what's happened is that they they think that they're showing that they have the power of God, but it's like, dude, you're these are pennies on the dollar, and you're also helping him in his cause. Yeah. Stop helping him. Yeah, it, like, if you notice the difference with, like, the snake one, it's like, Pharaoh summoned them and brought yeah. them in. And then this one, it's like, they were just like, hey, Pharaoh, look, check it out. We can turn <laughs> it into blood, too. And he's like, you morons. You want us to show this to Moses yeah. and Aaron? Yeah, yeah it, but it's pointed. It doesn't... So, like, if you were actually more powerful than Yahweh, then you would say, uh-uh, edit, yeah. undo, yeah. edit, undo. You would turn it back to water. Right. That yeah. would be the way that you would show your power over Yahweh is that you would turn the blood back into water and say, here we go, you know, Egyptian people, I've saved all of your lives. But that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, you know, even though they can do whatever it is that's done, it's like you're just helping Yahweh's cause. Yeah. And you're making our lives harder. Stop making our lives harder. You can't undo what he's done. Yeah, and, and they can't they can't undo what Yahweh is doing in Egypt. And that that's the pointed part, is that it's just like, what, what you know, like, what are we supposed to do, Pharaoh? And Pharaoh's like, I, you know, I don't know. Um, he's He's rendered completely powerless in this moment, and that's the point. Yeah. Is that he he's being shown who he really is, and yeah. that he he's he's a fraud. You know, mm-hmm. he's like you you act like you're the you're the one um, who who directs all this, but guess what? You say I don't know who Yahweh is. I am Yahweh. Yeah. 